With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Podpina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated staff writer, Young Belichick in the flesh, Rohan Nadkarni. Rohan, it's so wonderful to be here today with you. How was your weekend? It was great, Mike. Really enjoyed seeing Trump's pen pal, Bill Belichick, take that loss last night. Hired his son so the whole family could take an L on a Sunday night with the whole country watching the most popular TV show every week. The whole Belichick family losing. Bill coaching scared at home. You just love to see it. You really just love to see it. So I'm, I'm really riding high off the emotions uh, of that game. Really enjoyed seeing the Democratic People Republics of Boston's you know propaganda machine rally around Belichick last night, trying to defend that call as you were on Twitter, uh, as our editor Jason Schwartz was on Twitter. So I'm chilling, Mike. I'm having a great time. It was a tough loss for the Pats, I got to say. They played... I thought exceptionally well. We're not going to get too in the weeds mm, here. With mm, the, nice uh, moral victory for the Pats. I agree. Hey, six Super Bowls, you know, I'll take moral victories. I don't care. Yeah, man. sure, it's okay. sure, sure. Listen, I will, say that, that, I will say that game last night was um, in higher relevance than probably – you're a Dolphins fan, is that correct, Rohan? That is true, yeah. So I think that game last night – what is this, week four of the regular mm-hmm, season? Mm-hmm. I think that game was more relevant – than any the Miami Dolphins have played since what you were in the fourth grade, fifth grade. How's and guess what? And guess what? With all that relevance, who's at the bottom of the AFC East looking up at everyone else with the rest of us? The Patriots and the Dolphins, baby. You know who's won more games in Boston this year than the Patriots? The Miami Dolphins. How about that, Mike? Again, it's it's week four, but I, I expect How this behavior. How about that, Mike? How that's about what, that, Mike? That's what losing culture will get you. Yep, yep, that's exactly did that, right. Did that doink rem- also remind you of Bam Adebayo's block on Jason Tatum, or was it just me? 
Um, that was a low blow and completely uncalled for. <laughs> but I'm sorry. We, I didn't mean to get personal. I didn't we, mean to get personal. It's, it's okay. It's okay. We support um, Belichick's decision to kick that field goal. We don't. Uh, Who is we? Was, we do it not. Was, Patriots Nation. It was Yikes. it was inches. Yeah, of course, of course. You, the inches, propaganda machine. Inches off. Oh god. Uh, I you know deep down that was an awful decision. It was it was not. That was um, cowardly. Let me put it okay. this way. As someone who's been losing to Tom Brady my entire life, okay? When you have a chance to kick a 56-yard field goal in the pouring rain with an injured kicker and give Tom Brady the ball back with 50 seconds left and two timeouts to go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. That's exactly the kind of decision teams playing the Patriots have made over and over and over again to great failure uh, for the last 20 years. And to see Belichick do it was just the irony. It was beautiful. Listen, Belichick it could have a similar career to Jim Caldwell, who is a really good coach uh, without Brady. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him Hopefully, getting that well, career okay. record. Just, just looking absolutely. forward to seeing him getting that record without Brady up to five hundred. I think he's thirteen games under now. He'll, you know, he'll have a chance. Maybe if he keeps coaching, no, another I'm, ten I'm years def- or so, I'm, he can get to a five hundred without Brady. I am definitely the one spewing propaganda right now. There's no I, those doubt are, about that's it. a that's a fact. That's a statistic that he's a under five hundred career record without Tom we, Brady. I, I promise our listeners we're going to talk NBA today, but I just want to <laughs> say that uh, a couple more facts: Nick Folk, the field goal kicker for the Patriots, uh, had, made, had made thir- had made thirty six straight field goals up mm. until that point. The mm. Patriots had converted how many third downs in that game? I believe their quarterback had completed 19 passes in a row. That is not no, no, see, this, And this, the Buccaneers we were the Buccaneers were what, down three starting quarterbacks. They signed this, a guy off the street and were playing him in that game. And then two more do. got hurt during the game. We, we we can't answer questions here when we know we have a losing argument and we're arguing in bad faith. How many third downs did the Patriots convert on last night's game, Rohan? I don't know. I I, I I don't have the stat sheet in front of me, Mike. Two. So when it's four, let me just explain football to you real quick. When it's when, it, when, it, when it's fourth and three, mm-hmm. and it's pouring and it's pouring rain, mm-hmm. and you have a rookie quarterback, mm-hmm. and the defense that just mm-hmm. won the Super Bowl knows that you're going to throw, it's not a great chance of you except converting. it wasn't the defense who just won the Super Bowl because, like I mentioned, they were missing most of their secondary. And then two more guys got hurt during the game, so they're they're down to all their backup cornerbacks. The Patriots passing game was working beautifully, as I mentioned. At one point, they completed 19 straight passes. The kicker was hurt. It was pouring rain. A 56-yard field goal is already a low-percentage field goal. If you do make the field goal, you're leaving way too much time for Brady, who only needs a field goal. The other day, we just saw Aaron Rodgers go the length of the field in 34 seconds. It's okay. Listen, Mike, welcome back to the rest of the league. Belichick's coaching scared now. This is, this reminds me a lot of his Cleveland tenure. This reminds me a lot of his Cleveland tenure. Yes. You were definitely alive during his (laughs) Cleveland tenure. Um, Really like it's just coaching scared, baby. We love it. This is why I had to stop watching football because of (laughs) the discourse here that is just (laughs) absolutely, it's blind rage. Everybody's against the Patriots. Mondays, Mondays after top. football Sunday are just the worst day of the week. It's it's rough, okay. man. It's we rough. we gotta we gotta pivot before I, <laughs> I like slam my headset down on the ground and shattered into a million pieces. Um, 
So on today's show, Rowan, we are going to open up the mailbag again, and we're going to talk a little Blazers. We're going to talk a little bit about some rebuilds going on in the NBA. We're going to talk a little bit Trey Young versus Bradley Beal, um, which is a fun conversation, I suppose. Uh, we will make it one uh, and a bunch of other stuff. But first, a quick reminder to all of our listeners to keep sending your emails in to openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. I will say the emails that we've received over the past few days, Rowan, I mean, the, the Squid Game, Love Island, Will Smith rom-com, <laughs> like NBA diehard fan Venn diagram that I didn't know existed is just alive and well and thriving in this space. So thank you to you all for participating. We love you. Uh, just to give everyone a quick update on my Squid Game progress, I have two episodes left. Oh Probably going to knock those out. Yes. tonight and i'm very excited to see the thrilling conclusion here um shout out to all my love island watchers and shout out to who <laughs> shout out to who emailed us to say that definitely maybe is one of the best rom-coms of all time i agree i agree it's up there for me i do not have that emailer's name I, I, oh man i believe it's chris who emailed us that i'm not 100 percent, so i apologize if mm-hmm. i got that wrong we can go back at some point and uh and correct the record if so but shout out to i do also agree that that was a fun email to receive over the weekend so we're gonna start with this email from longtime open floor globe hall of fame member thaddeus platinum certified multiple times absolutely goaded living living thaddeus is goaded as d'angelo russell would say yes in a different context (laughs) yeah so thaddeus writes in what's up chris michael and rohan I enjoyed the top 100 episodes, and I could see how the exercise wrecks your brain. I think many people casually throw out things like, he's a top 30 guy, not realizing what that means. Preach, Thaddeus, preach. Um, (laughs) The top 100 seems like a low bar, but those guys are really good. Which brings me to the Blazers. Are we undervaluing where they are after the addition of number 98 on your list, Larry Nance Jr.? The top of the conference is full of unknowns. Clay won't be back till Christmas. There's no Jamal Murray. There's no Kawhi Leonard. And Dallas lost a coach that squeezes wins out of spare parts. The door feels very open to steal a home court spot. Um, Thaddeus then, in typical Thaddeus fashion, goes on to write um, a, a Dostoevsky novel. Uh, via email um, explaining why the Blazers are awesome, which we really appreciate, but we just don't have time to read. So my question off of this uh, wonderful email that Thaddeus blessed us with, Rohan, is uh, like, are we underrating or undervaluing or like sleeping on the Portland Trailblazers? Like there's a lot of the narrative is just very negative, I feel, because of the, you know, the trade rumors. There was the offseason kind of debacle with their head coach search. But you look at this roster, you look at the some of the you dig into some of the data, the the lineup data from last season, particularly after they got Norm Powell, and it's like this team was good. And they have Dame, and if Dame's committed, if CJ's healthy, if everybody's healthy, they could be really good. Yeah. So Thaddeus mentions the unknowns at the top of the conference, right? I think the issue with the Blazers is that they're known. We know that they can be pretty good every year. We know I think the issue is we know what their ceiling is, which is that they are just one of those teams that they need things to break right uh, for them to have a deep playoff run. Like, you know, the year they went to the Western Conference Final was like they, they just kind of had uh, the bracket fall in their favor. And I still think that's their higher most ceiling is to make it to the 
the final round in the West. I don't think they're going to make it to the finals with their current core. And and that's what it is. It's not that I think the Blazers are going to be a bad team, but I know that we both even had Lillard and McCollum off our top 10 duos list, if you remember that back to the summer. But yeah, Mike, I just think the problem is more that they're a known. They're, a, they're like a finalized commodity at this point. I think Nance is a, right, a nice addition, but he doesn't dramatically raise the ceiling of their team. And we just we know that they're going to be good. They have they're a high floor, low ceiling team that can win a lot of games. But I mean, you look at some of their playoff exits now. They beat that. They lost that Lakers team in the bubble. Now, granted, Dane was hurt by the end of that series, but that wasn't. I don't think either of us think that was the strongest iteration of the LeBron Anthony Davis Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost last year to the Nuggets, who were starting. Composo and Rivers in the backcourt. I mean, that's a pretty inexcusable playoff loss for Dame. I and mean, you go through his playoff track record, like they've usually lost to really good teams almost every year. That one was pretty dispiriting. So I don't think we're sleeping on the Lakers or Blazers, rather. We're obviously not talking about them a ton, but I think it's because we just kind of know who they are at this point. So that's a fair I think that's a fair way to look at it. I mean, the the core is is similar, right? Like CJ, you feel like you've seen this story before. You got CJ, you have Dame, um, Yusuf Nurkic, who gets hurt at the worst times. It's seemingly <laughs> every single season, unfortunately. But the lineup data that I referenced earlier is just like so positive um, from last season. Like after they got Norm Powell, the starting five of Dame, CJ. Roko, Nurkic, and Norm Powell, like offensive rating 118.3, Their which is was insane. Nuts, for sure, yes. And defensive rating 104.8, which is super impressive. 13.5 net rating. So, you know, the, the, the sample size there is 370 minutes. Um, we're going to see if Norm Powell's, you know, last season was a contract year and he shot the lights out. He played terrific basketball. Um, in Portland after the trade as well, but he just got that contract. We'll see how well he plays. He's a little undersized for the role that they have him there. Um, but I just, I love the moves that they made behind, like the bench moves. I do think that those are, you know, obviously they need to improve the defense. You get Larry Nance Jr., who is a terrific defensive player. I don't think people realize how good he is in terms of his versatility, in terms of his intelligence, just like one of the smartest bigs at jumping passing lanes and, and wreaking havoc. Um, so I love that pickup for them, and he can play some small ball five. But like even just replacing um, Ennis Cantor with Cody Zeller, like that's just a really big upgrade at it seems very marginal just because of what we're talking about here from a financial sense from a minute sense and playing time etc but like Ennis Kanter is one of the worst defenders at his position um in recent NBA history Cody Zeller is not like Dikembe Mutombo but he's He's solid he's solid solid's a really good word for it um so I like that there I like you just like losing Carmelo Anthony um oh not not to be like disrespectful, but sometimes there's an addition by subtraction there where you you put in someone like even Tony Snell or, or Ben McLemore or um, Nasir Little, just like I, like I don't know who else is going to be in the rotation there, but I think that that's a positive. Um, so I think this this defense can be, and obviously there's the coaching change with Chan- to, from Terry Stotts to Chauncey Billups, and we'll see how Chauncey kind of puts his imprint. Um, 
on the team. <laughs> we're getting uh, a note from our yeah, we're, get, we're getting a note from Shelby. our podcast who told us uh, in our last episode that he is a humongous Blazers fan. He writes in um, when I just disparaged Dennis Cantor uh, uh, that Dennis Cantor has set the franchise record for rebounds in a game uh, with thank thirty. You, Shelby, <laughs> that, yeah, thank you for that. That tidbit, Shelby. One we time, you. Uh, Mike. One time, I when I was doing power rankings for Sports Illustrated. There was a time when the Rockets and Blazers were both on huge win streaks. Mm-hmm. I think the Blazers had won 12 in a row. The Rockets were on 13 in a row, something crazy. And mm-hmm. I put the Blazers at number one, and I was like, yeah, I just feel like mixing it up. Putting Portland number one this week, and like people in Houston were freaking out. Like, I'm not joking. Mentions are blowing up, and they, <laughs> they asked me to do a radio show <laughs> down in Houston, and I'm like, okay. And uh-huh. I'm doing the radio show. And the guy's like, do you know how many rebounds a game Clint Capella's averaging? I was like, <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? Um, okay, okay. So you, you're listening out all these nice things about the Blazers. In classic peanut fashion, you make me actually have an opinion. But tell me what your what your ceiling is for Portland, then. Well, so... Like, can, they, can they make the finals? I don't, no, see, I don't think you can say that about... I don't think that's, like, a good way to, like grade a team i think okay i agree but but we're there but that is asking us if we're sleeping uh, on them and he's making it seem like they can take advantage of the uncertainty in the conference and i'm saying that's why that's not possible so what thaddeus posits specifically is (laughs) um can the blazers get home court that's the question so can they be a top four and I think that that is that's meaningful. And yes, in, um, yes. And like if you get to the playoffs and you're a four seed, obviously having home court is it matters with fans back in arenas, et cetera. Yeah. So is that possible? I think it's possible for sure. I, um, I definitely think it's possible because, like I mentioned, they're a high baseline team with a core that's been together for years that is successful. If that's the question, then yes. My thing with the Blazers, I agree, Mike. In most cases, I don't think it's insignificant. To, to get home court, and I'm not trying to denigrate the Blazers' success. My only thing is when it, when you've had a team that's been together for this long and you have a star of Dame's caliber, that's when it starts to matter to me a little bit less. Mm-hmm. Where it would be great if they got home court, that but for them, the, the expectations with a guy like Dame, I, I think they're just a little bit different. So, you know, if Thaddeus is asking if I'm sleeping on them, that's why. It's just because, you know, I still think they need an injection if they're going to do anything different relative to what they've done, you know, most of Dame's career. But do I think they could get home court? I definitely think that's a possibility, especially with uh, the injuries to the Nuggets and Clippers, which it's hard to talk about, you know, because I'm about to say it's not really something we've talked about too much because what can you really Mm -hmm. say other than it's a bummer? But the West would have been so wide open and so incredible this year had Kawhi and Jamal Murray Murray been healthy um, because I think it's just really chaos at the top of the West right now. And I would really have loved to see a, a healthy team from all these seasons. Cause I have no idea who's going to win. I don't want to divert this podcast cause we have such great emails to get to, but commenting on what you just said, if Kawhi was healthy, I don't think it would be wide open. I mm. really don't. I think the Clippers would be it's the possible, favorites yeah. in the it's West. Possible, yeah. I mean, but Hey, we also thought that their first year, and then sure but they had to go yeah. through the fire man they went through the fire yeah and now yeah. this was supposed to be the year unfortunately yeah. or last year could have been the year we'll i mean hey he, I, would you trade Kawhi for reggie jackson straight up right now i mean it's a conversation so <laughs> okay yeah and we are off the rails 
This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay, so now we have this email from Liam, and I just want to say, Liam, you are Babe Ruth, you are Mm. Hank Aaron, you're just smashing them out of the park with these emails, and you have two on today's episode, so shout out to you forever. Um, So Liam writes, and this is actually, Rowan, you texted me, I think, when I I sent the uh, the outline over to you, you were so impressed with this question, and I agree. It's very fun. So Liam writes, one thing that I've been thinking a lot about lately is what some teams would look like if every player on their roster was in their prime and what teams would become much better. I just want to shout out Liam already because what an awesome thing to be thinking about. That's just cool. I love that. I love that you're thinking about that. That's dope. Liam continues, there is, of course, the obvious choice in the Lakers. Maybe you could go with the Nets, too. So my question for you is, outside of the Lakers and Nets, what teams do you think would improve the most if everyone on their roster was in their prime? And he shouts out the Miami Heat um, as a team that would make a humongous leap forward, given that they have P.J. Tucker, they have Kyle Lowry, they have Victor Oladipo, they have Jimmy Butler— they also um, – oh, go ahead. I, I don't want to spoil something I'm going to say, but I just want to say to Liam, I uh, love that he's respecting the culture. Um, you know, I bet Haslam. Liam's, Liam's in the best Haslam shape. in his prime, Haslam too. In his I shouldn't prime, disrespect. Yeah. yeah, Liam's probably in the best shape of his life right now. He probably just ran a conditioning <laughs> test before sending that email. So shout out to Liam, baby. I will say that if there's one thing – and I went through every team – the way I actually, the way I, I should say, the way that I w- like judged this was, and I hope you did the same, like old players, like primes that we that we've seen that we can kind of reference. So like, it's not like you wouldn't look at the 
Mavs and be like, oh, if Luca was in his prime. Oh, I disagree. Be- I disagree entirely. Oh, that's, a, geez, that's part of the Louise. fun of this. That's part of All the right, fun so of this, this exercise. This will like, be fun then. Just looking ahead, like, yeah, he mentioned the Heat. What if Tyler Hero was in his prime? You know what I mean? You'd have. I, I'm trying to make a joke. <laughs> my, my brain is is. Uh, Maybe is he would drop right 45 now. on the Celtics in the playoffs instead. You know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> If there's one thing that I kind of gleamed after after doing this exercise, it's that the NBA is really young. And I was going through teams trying to find like old players who've had really respectable careers, and they're all the Lakers or the Nets. It's like yeah. it, it made this it made this a lot of fun. There was one obvious team that I'm gonna talk about in a yeah. second. I'm gonna throw out the first we just, team. We did get a mean joke from Shelby in regards to Tyler Hero uh, and his prime uh, that, that I will not be reading personally. Um, Shelby writes, Tyler Hero will be out of the league before his prime. Wow. Hot takes coming in from the, yeah. Yeah. Shelby's an absolute legend already on today's show. (laughs) So the first team that I want to, I want to shout out here as being, um, so much better if everyone was in their prime, it's gotta be the Golden State Warriors. Oh yeah. Right. Like they, they, they're number one prime. Yeah. Number one with a bullet. Like yeah. <laughs> Steph, Steph is a two-time MVP, and he completely revolutionized the sport. You have Draymond Green, same deal, basically on the other end. You have Clay Thompson, second greatest shooter who ever lived, as you said, Iguodala in his prime. We never even saw that um, during the title run during the dynasty. It was a little bit past it for sure, um, definitely offensively. Uh, and you know they have Otto Porter, they have Nemanja Bjelica, they have some other guys. <laughs> who are... <laughs> I gotta shout them out every single time. Um, the steel. Yes, exactly. Uh, and we got some. I, I just want to say it uh, real quick. Like we got some. Uh, some people mentioned the the Bielitsa, my me calling him a steal in reference to our Lakers slander from the last episode. And <laughs> I just want to say Nemanja Bielitsa is better than Carmelo Anthony. I just got oh, to state that as a fact here. But anyway, um, the Warriors. Did you have the Warriors as a team that you were kind I, of the Warriors are really, So as you mentioned, the real, the issue with this exercise, and not that Liam's question is not great, is like you mentioned, the old players in this league are too concentrated on the contenders. So once you take out the Lakers and Nets, this just – becomes mm-hmm. more difficult, right? I mean, the Warriors are obviously the pick. I mean, even Prime Auto Porter, someone who you neglect to mention, someone who I do think is going to be uh, closing some games from there. Oh, did you? Okay. I just, the, the hate, <laughs> the my mind just went black. Yeah. Um, they're, they're really the ones. I mean, they would mm-hmm. be incredible. I mean, if you get 2016 Steph, uh, 2016 Clay. 2015 probably Draymond 2016 Draymond uh, they're they're absolutely nuts they're absolutely nuts but then the Heat are a good one because you really just have to look at the old rosters on the on the around the league right I think the Heat of the second oldest roster um, in the NBA you get Lowry mm-hmm. a little bit younger a little bit healthier you mentioned PJ Tucker um, we don't really know what prime Bam is so maybe we get uh, even a better version of Bam. Prime Victor Oladipo, uh, that would That's be an all NBA player. Yeah, I mean, Prime Lowry and Prime Oladipo backcourt uh, is spectacular. So, yeah, I think those are the the Warriors and the Heat are really the two that jumped out of me. Just because you have to look at the older rosters. Now, you criticizing me for saying looking at the younger rosters, but I, you got to. I mean, 
listen, the team that came to mind, a prime version of the Atlanta Hawks. Because you give all those guys, yeah, another two, three years in the league, then you also get, you know, the best version of Capella. Yeah, that that was the one that really stood to me was the Hawks because I think that obviously we're gonna talk about Trey Young when we get to this Bradley Beal question, but that's a team that I think ignore kind of their playoff success. I think that's a team that could be better over the next two or three years, even if they don't necessarily make it that far again in the playoffs. There will be no spoiler. A lot of time spent talking about the Atlanta Hawks in in due time on this podcast. Um, I do think that if you add prime, I had them on here, even with the way I was looking at it, because it's like you add prime Gallo and prime Lou will to what they already have. And it's just like, that's that's scary right there. Yeah. Like Prime Gallo is basically a borderline all-star. And he was really good for them last year as well. So that would be that's a team right there. Um the I think one of the more fun teams to think about if we kind of blend how we both are viewing this is Phoenix Suns. You get mm-hmm. Prime Chris Paul, Prime DeAndre Ayton, Prime Devin Booker, Prime Bridges, etc. Prime that's, Boss Man 99 Jay Crowder. Which I don't even know what what is Jay Crowder's prime. I was thinking about that Jay Crowder's prime is like those those twelve games a season when he hits every single one of his threes. It was the second round in the bubble against the Bucks. Yes, I think that, I that, think was, that was prime. His prime. Jay that was his apex that, at least. But like I think only the first three games. <laughs> yes, fair. Yeah. Um, so, what do you think about the Suns for here? And even if you just took. Even if you just took like Chris Paul and made it yeah. his prime, no, the, the Suns are incredible. The Suns is another one that. Listen, you know how I feel about Chris Paul. Uh, just one of the best to ever do it. One of my all-time favorite NBA players, and yeah, man, you you put him in his prime, and now he's he's got the you combine his current vegan diet with him in his prime body, and you got you got a force. You got an absolute force. So the Suns is absolutely a really good pick. Um, I'm just going to throw out a few other teams here that I thought were interesting. Um, the Knicks, you get prime D Rose, prime you know, Kendall I, Walker. I, had, I was going to put Taj the Knicks Gibson. on there, but I didn't think want people to think I was joking. But I mean, yeah, we know what prime Derek Rose and Todd Gibson can do together. And you're right. You mix it in Kemba. No, the Knicks are, are absolutely a good pick. So that was a fun one I was thinking and, about. And then that means you lock in last season's Julius Randle too. <laughs> that was that yeah. was it right there. That yeah. was the peak, most likely. I, I can't wait for Julius Randle to just win MVP, Finals MVP, yeah, most just, improved again, and just we have, have to us, quit our jobs. <laughs> we, I, I probably will quit my job if yeah. that were to happen. Not gonna lie. Oh, just in leave and shame. We're telling people, you know, six years from now. I don't know. I'm working at a mechanic. I don't know. I'm just a secretary somewhere. I don't know. I'm just doing something completely different. Like I used to host a basketball podcast. I promise. <laughs> So, I since you got to talk about the Heat, I, I do want to mention the Celtics here. They have a nice blend of old and young. Al Horford in his prime. Mm. Um, uh, obviously, Robert Williams in his prime is oh, Will Chamberlain yeah, yeah. 2.0. Uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, all those guys. So I have. To I think Horford's going to be good for them this year. By the way, I'm high on. I Horford. do too. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Real quick, who do you think is going to? What is? What do you think is going to be the starting lineup for the Celtics? I think it's going to be uh, Horford, Tatum, Brown. I think. Oh God! I, they Smart. started the double bigs last year, and it was weird. 
And I was wondering if they would go back to that. There, I, I would, I would bet that they do. Personally, so you think they'll start I think Robert Williams and Horford together? I do. Um, that's a lot. I know that the you know just labeling them as double bigs, you can do that if you want. I mean, they're very different than Daniel Tice yeah, and Tristan Thompson. Yes, 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 but they're still both bigs. I, you, you know, for as good of a shooter and you know initiator that Horford is, there's still like a certain limitation than starting like an actual forward as opposed to a you know tweener center or whatever you want to call him. I love that this has diverted into a Celtics conversation, yeah, yeah. but I do want to say that you can have Al Horford guard fives with help, and then you can have because everyone's going to be huge. You have Smart, Tatum, Jalen, Horford, Rob Williams, and you can have Rob Williams guard the stretchy fours, and really it not be a problem. I don't think so. I I love that lineup. Yeah, defensively. I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to be a bad lineup, and I think overall they're going to be really good. But you don't think Schroeder's going to start? I think Schroeder's going to start. He's not going to start. No, I think that if they were to start him, I mean, if they were to go small with their starting five construction or not even small, just like normal, um, I think shooter and smart. And then, no, I think it would be Jay Rich starting at the two and Tatum would play the four. That's what I think. Interesting. So I don't think that's going to happen. So. Um, I think they're going to be, I think those guys are, I think those guys are better suited off the bench. Schroeder, Jay Rich. I see what you're saying. Um, okay, this was fun. I'm glad that we got to talk a little bit of Celtics. Yeah, right I can see you for it. Obliging you can me. see it in your eyes. Yeah, I'm in a better mood now. Uh, <laughs> the last team before we move on to this email from Zach about Trey Young and Bradley Beal, the last team I want to throw out there to you is the Cleveland Cavaliers, and primarily because Kevin Love would be in his prime, and I just love thinking about that because they're super I mean, young. Do we know that Kevin Love's not still in his prime and he just doesn't play basketball anymore, so there's no way to really even know? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he is not in his prime <laughs> based on um, – I don't even – this is just like I'm pretty sure the sky is blue right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, or at least it's gray outside my window. Uh, yeah, but you had prime Kevin Love who – when he was at his best was like the seventh best player in the world, like 2020s left and right. Um, Did you say seventh best? Oh yeah, I would say that's like I'm thinking about like I don't even know what year. When Love had his, he, when Love had that one big season, who did you think was better, him or Blake Griffin? Oh, this is great. I love I love questions like this. I was a pretty so I liked. I think I liked. I want to say I liked Love slightly because he could shoot uh, threes. I liked Griffin more because I thought he was more athletic, but. It's so hard to look back on that now. We all know that season I'm talking about. I just none of us can remember the year. There's because didn't Griffin finish like top five in MVP voting or something crazy? I think it was 2015, but I can't remember that what sounds year. Right. Let me let me look this up instead of being a complete um, fail right now. But now um, I'm like, what if Kevin Love had been playing with Chris Paul that whole time as opposed to Blake Griffin? So what? it was 2014. It was his last year in Minnesota. Um, right before he went to Cleveland when he's averaging 26. Oh, my God, these numbers. I have not looked up Kevin Love's prime numbers in a minute here. Uh, 26 points, 12 and a half rebounds, 4.4 assists, um, shooting 6.6 threes per game, 37.6%. Which, which is a lot for that year, especially for someone at his position. Yeah, wild stuff out of Kevin Love, who was incredible. The problem is um, those teams were so bad that it really – I think I still would have taken Griffin at the time, or even now. 
You couldn't have gone wrong with either. Yeah. It wasn't a Darren Williams CP kind of debate. It was not. They were both it was awesome. Not. Okay, so speaking of comparing players needlessly, there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming. And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. We have this email from Zach who writes, this is not a Trey doesn't get enough respect question. All-star and all-NBA voting aside, I think this offseason, the Trey Young doubt has more or less gone away. But one thing that has been aggravating us as Atlanta fans is the top 100 lists listing Beal ahead of Trey. I think they are interesting players to compare, but what's the rationale? Is it just that Beal is a better shooter? Is it because Beal may be on the move, so it's easier to imagine him flourishing elsewhere? It's not team success. Beal may be a better, a bit better of a scorer, but they're basically playing different sports when it comes to passing ability. Can you run a playoff offense through Beal as your main guy? Does it matter? So, Rohan, what are your thoughts about us having Beal um, ahead of Trey Young? on so, our top 100 and do you feel like we are being completely disrespectful to Mr. Trayon? So once again I'm forced to look at the top 100 list that, that I would never have to look at again for the rest of my life and Zach, hey buddy I agree with you because I had Trey Young one spot ahead of Bradley Beal on my list I had Trey I think at 19 and Beal at 20 on my list and my separator was that playoff success, the fact that I'd seen Trey do it. It's very interesting because if you put them kind of just side by side as individuals, I think you'd want Beal because he's bigger. Um, he would uh, seems to be someone who would be more durable. Mm-hmm. Um, as you mentioned, better shooter. The measurables on Beal are really good. What's interesting to me is 
the fact that Trey can be that guy who runs all those pick and rolls over and over and over again and pass as well as he does, his like style of play is just kind of more conducive to playoff success, I think. Um, but I mean, I th- I think I was clearly in the minority because I got overruled on on Beal over Trey. But I mean, I don't want to uh, sound like a broken record. We've we've brought the but you know those guys are very close on the list for a reason. They're both very good. Um, the Hawks are just one of those teams. We talked about this in the sustainability episode. It's hard to know where their reality is based just off last year and. Trey still has his defensive issues. He just somehow went through a playoff run where, where none of the opponents really had an opportunity to kind of go after them. So I think they're very close. And I think Beal, frankly, has just been doing it for longer over a more sustained period of time. And that has to mean something. So I don't I don't want to throw our colleague um, Jeremy Wu under the bus here. <laughs> but you, Rohan, you had Trey Young at 19 and Beal at 20, as you said. I had Trey Young at 14 and Beal at 15. Chris Herring had Trey Young at 18 and Beal at 19. Mm. And then Wu comes in just throwing hot lava. Trey Young at 21 and Bradley Beal at 14. And we did ag- address this when uh, Wu and I did our top 100 episodes. So I don't need to, I mean, he explained himself with his thoughts in that episode. You can go back and listen. Um, if you want to know more. Uh, so I will say, I'm just going to like kind of, again, reiterate everything that you said, Rowan. Like these players are extremely similar. I can see the argument for why one would have Beal ahead of Trey. And for me, it's primarily because um, Beal is so good off the ball as well as on the ball. Like his usage is higher than Trey's, which is absolutely remarkable. But he can also come off pin downs. He's willing to do that. Um, come off these DHOs where he starts in the corner and just kind of zooms into the paint. Um, so he can be useful in an offense in different ways on the weak side. The Trey hasn't really – he just hasn't gotten there yet. And, and you know, we could see this season – I think we will see this season him um, develop a little bit more and evolve off the ball a little bit more. But we just haven't seen it yet. So I like that part of Beal. Uh, you know, statistically, they're very similar. Trey obviously goes up a level when you just talk about the playmaking ability, as Zach pointed out. I think Beal is also just a better three-level scorer than Trey mm-hmm. Young is. I mean, Trey Young's not finishing at the rim efficiently. He's got the floater down for sure, but he doesn't attack from the mid-range as Beal does. And, you know, I think that Beal is probably a better shooter. I do think it's marginal there. So, I, I mean, it's just it's a coin flip with these guys. You know, it's... As, it's- Funny, I think with Young and Beal, like, if you switched Young and Beal, I think both teams might be slightly worse, just the tiniest bit. Um, But I think if you put them both on good teams, Beal would help a good team more than Young. Yeah, no, I I absolutely believe that that for everything that I just said. Like, I think that Beal could go on to the Nets – and just yeah. fit right away and be yeah. great, um, assuming that 
he gets vaccinated and is able to play in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> so I had to slide that in. Um, so the consensus here is that what uh, Trey Young is definitely better. And everyone who thinks that Brad Beal is, is better is an idiot. Is that what we're saying, Ron? No, it's not. It's absolutely not. It's, uh, <laughs> okay. it's very close. And hopefully we never have to litigate the, I know. the tiny differences on this list ever again. How about, uh, Andrew Viggins, I know we don't want to get into it, but finally getting vaccinated. Um, yeah, I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like having consequences for not getting the vaccine worked. And listen, like I would, part of me would have maybe respected Wiggins if he was so committed to this quote unquote cause that he was like, I'm going to forfeit half my money. But yeah, or maybe, you know, I guess that uh, the religious exemption was not that. Uh, not that strongly held of a belief. It he wasn't. Put a price, he put a price on that religious exemption. He did. He yeah. did. Uh, good for him for getting the shot. That's yes. better for everybody. Yeah. Um, so we don't want to shame people who get the shot, even though they were holding out there. But no, shout out to Andrew Riggins for finally getting the vaccination. Um, okay. So as promised, we have another email from Liam. This one is also um, a total banger. This was a good one. This was a good one. Yeah. We did a little bit of a variation here from what Liam actually wrote in. Um, But I'm just going to read the email and then kind of explain where we're going to go from there. So Liam writes, over the past few years, we have seen many different teams start rebuilding with, with some doing it differently than others. Looking at the more recent examples, I was seeing two different ways. One is loading up on first round draft picks like the Thunder and Rockets have. The other is trading for a lot of younger players and rebuilding around that core. So if you were the GM of a team that just started out a rebuild, how would you do it? Would you try a completely different way that I didn't mention? So, Liam, this is a wonderful question. I know I know you want to take this. Can I address that real quick, Mike? Sure. Yeah, sure. I just want to say in terms of the rebuild, because there's always questions, right? Is tanking good? Is tanking bad? Are these process-style rebuilds okay? Are these GMs, in fact, geniuses? Is Sam Presti doing the right thing by amassing all these first-round picks, et cetera, et cetera? Here's the truth, and I'll never forget this because I was talking to Tim. Here, No, it's true. This is the truth. I was talking to Tim Connolly, okay? This was about four years ago, and we, were, we did a story. It was called The Nuggets. You know, the Internet's favorite team is still loading. It was about how the Nuggets – Got all these fun players. Everyone loved watching them on League Pass, but, you know, can they take that next step as a contender? And he he just straight up told me, he's like, yeah, man, we got lucky when we drafted Jokic, you know? And, uh, you know, listen, they've drafted really well. They've drafted and signed three guys to max extensions. They've done all the right moves, but it doesn't matter if they don't get lucky with Jokic. And you can be the Sixers and you can tank and you can end up with a generational center who is – injured at the wrong times and a really talented player who can't shoot. You can be the Spurs and tank for one year and get the number one pick and get Tim Duncan. And now you're set for 20 years, or you can be the Spurs and make the perfect trade for Kawhi Leonard, but then he wants to leave. So Mm -hmm. listen, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, traversing some insane new ground here to say a lot of luck goes into it. And I understand why the GMs who, you know, amass all these first round picks, even though I think most of the first round picks being moved are not even good ones, are doing it because they want to get as many bites at the apple as possible. But 
there really is no one way. And the one way is to get lucky because not even the number one picks in this league are guaranteed to turn into MVPs uh, and superstars, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Like there really is just no great way. And that's why it sometimes bothers me a little bit when teams get, you know, criticized for building around a young core and why aren't you going after draft picks or, you know, vice versa. It's just as listen, there's no, there really is no method because you have to tank the right year and hope this guy pans out, et cetera. Like there's no good way. This is a, a question that is its own podcast. And yeah. we're talking about markets and are you a free agent destination and yeah. blah, 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 blah. There's just a million different factors that go into all this stuff. But real quick, talking about luck, which is super important and cannot be overlooked. It's like if you're the Nuggets, the Clippers drafted Jerome Robinson 13th overall. Into what, what draft was that? 2018? Yeah, 2000, uh, 2018 draft. Jerome Robinson just leaving Michael Porter Jr. there for the Denver Nuggets to take. So it's like, you know, Michael Porter Jr. could be on the Clippers right now. The Clippers could have had Shea and Michael Porter Jr. from that draft, if you want to think about that for two seconds. It's just, it's absolutely wild. Um, and they would have presumably been able to keep one of them in the Paul George trade. And then th- the Clippers are just looking like a completely unfair juggernaut right now if that's the case so it's like they got a little bit unlucky there the nuggets lucked out they got porter jr who they just signed to this max extension who looks who looks wonderful offensively um when healthy so luck is you can't overlook it but rohan so getting into what i wanted to kind of put my twist on liam's question here i think there are you could say seven genuine rebuilds taking place right now. Eight if you include the Timberwolves, which I don't because they have two mid-career vets on max deals and they want to win right now. So I'm not going to call them a rebuilding team, even though they're super young. So the teams that I'm looking at right now are the Thunder, the Rockets, the Pistons, the Magic, the Pelicans, the Cavs, and the Spurs, those are the teams that I think are, are in full-on, maybe not full-on because you could debate certain things here and there, but I think these teams are rebuilding. So out of all these situations, I want you to tell me which three fan bases should be the most excited about what has already happened in terms of you know the assets that they have and the players that are on their roster and just what the future might bring. Just like which situations are... Should fans be most excited about uh, out of those rebuilding situations? So even though I think this one is the highest risk, high reward, I think number one is the Pelicans, just because you have Zion there. You have Brandon Ingram. Like you have two real blue chippers who are really good and could be, I think, cornerstones of a team that's really good for a really long time. Now, granted, does Zion want to leave? Is David Griffin the right guy for the job? Like I mentioned, like this is a – that's a powder keg and it's it's an explosive situation but guess what i love the chaos i love the mess i love the <laughs> i love the intrigue i love the drama so that's the one i think i would be excited about as a fan like even if zion leaves and now you have to deal with like an anthony davis situation all over again um I think well that would be a disaster we don't we don't but uh uh i do want his agent to come out publicly and say he doesn't want to get traded to the celtics i would personally enjoy that uh, I would not, but yeah, I think that's the one I, it's the obvious one. And it, the potential there is really, really high. 
I really like the Thunder too. Um, really, that surprises that, me. Can I just can I just say that that surprises yeah. me because you are, um, you've been publicly um, against. I would say the the rebuild strategy. I'm not the Oklahoma City I, Thunder. I'm not even. Is that I'm fair not necessarily. I'm not. Here's let me clarify it. I'm not necessarily against the strategy as much as I am against like the public fetishizing fetishizing fetishization fetishization. I'm never going to be able to say it. I'm not from this country. Um, (laughs) I don't think I'm ever going to be able to fully get behind like how many like people just throw out the number of first round picks, but don't really often. I think Bobby Marks was the only person to like really break down the picks Oklahoma City's gotten and put them in the tiers and be like, these ones actually have a chance to be good, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, Mike, it has less to do with the picks and a lot more to do with uh, Shea, Gilgis Alexander, who I think is really, really good. And he barely played last season, which it contributes to this problem. But like he had a hell of a season last year. He's really, really good. And th- I think that is really what excites me. And, you know, that one year Chris Paul was there, we also saw him be part of a good team. Like, he can contribute to a good team. We know that. Now, can he lead it? That's a little different. Um, at the end of the day, I do think they're going to have either the possibility to, to trade for someone. I, frankly, I do think they're a team that should maybe try to trade for Ben Simmons. Um, that would be something. Or, or draft, uh, or maybe one of these picks hits at the right time, and they can draft someone really valuable. So, I... I would just be um, excited if I was a Thunder fan because you really have already a great talent there in place in uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, and I think that's someone to get behind. So that, and then uh, I'm going to go with the Pistons, just because you know you just had the number one pick, and I think it's okay to be excited about Cade Cunningham. Like, why not? Why not get behind someone like that? Get behind the number one pick. Part of it is that it's unknown, right? We haven't seen him play in the NBA at all. For all we know, he's the next superstar in the waiting. So that was kind of my rationale for those three teams. So you had two of the same ones as as I did. Um, Pelicans. It's just it's. First of all, do you agree that they're in a rebuild because they were trying to get Kyle Lowry and you know, they're clear, I think they, they I, the think, Devante Graham I think they're in a rebuild. Trade. It's David Griffin who doesn't agree that they're in a rebuild, but they're they are. I wouldn't say they're in a rebuild because they're not trying to like actively tear down their roster, but like they're a team that's trying to go from bad to good. <laughs> Aren't we? So all? yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'll agree with that. I, I put them here because Zion's still in his rookie scale deal. Ingram's on the max, but it's the fun max. And then they just have all these picks from yeah. the AD trade, which was only two years ago. So. Um, I, I think there's. St- I think it's still fair to qualify them as a rebuilding team, um, and if so, for I mean, I'm making the rules here. So uh, hmm. Zion is there. So if they had, just, if they had signed, one. if they had signed Lowry, they'd no longer be a rebuilding team. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, so uh, Zion makes the Pelicans number one for me. I think their fan base should be very excited, despite us criticizing their offseason left and right. Some things just like don't matter when you zoom out um, and you take a deep breath. It's just like we have Zion. If Zion's healthy, this guy could like win the MVP this season. Like he's just that good in my opinion. So that's just uh, it's an incredible thing to have. 
This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Um, I also have the Pistons here, my number two team, and it's for basically the same reasons as you did. Like Cade Cunningham, when you just have the guy who, you know, he's the reigning number one overall pick and a lot of really smart people who watched him at Oklahoma State um, and throughout the draft process and then Summer League, et cetera, just are so high on him. And uh, he's got all the physical tools that you kind of want in someone that you're building around, too. So you have him, you have Beef Stew, you have uh, Sadiq Bey, who I absolutely love. Uh, one of my favorite rookies last season. I was heartbroken I think, when the Celtics I think passed over him. This is going to be like a little bit of a Sadiq Bey podcast this year. He's someone who I imagine it could be. come up a lot on open floor be. this year. Yeah, I, I love Sadiq Bey. Uh, we didn't really get to see Killian Hayes last year, unfortunately, because of a hip injury. But he could be really interesting or he could get traded if he doesn't fit with with Cade, who might just be kind of the primary um, yeah. ball handler. I feel like the, the Pistons are going to have that kind of year where they're not very good, but almost every single game they win is just like really annoying for a good team. Like some good team's going to just go to Detroit, <laughs> pencil in a victory, and then be like, oh, yeah, like, wait, the Nets lost to Detroit like 130 to 128? <laughs> like what happened? Like, I no, feel like that's going to be every Pistons game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other team that I have here – is Houston um, instead of Oklahoma City because I love Shea. Sure, I love Mm -hmm. him. He's about to start that max, the fun max. That's great. Uh, Houston, I like it more because it just feels like fresh with what they have. Like I like their collection of young talent more than I Mm -hmm. like the collection of young talent that Oklahoma City has. Um, You're not in on Poku? Um. 
I'm not going to say I'm out on, on okay, Poku. okay, okay. You know, I really appreciated him entertaining me. Okay, excuse me, last season with you know behind the back passes out of bounds, um, the <laughs> fact that he weighs <laughs> less than I do, uh, just yeah, he's just a living legend. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I do feel like there's the possibility of SGA getting a little upset with what's going on mm. there, and I uh, do think that they they're rebuild's a little bit more delicate because I don't think they can slow play it like this forever. And it's I yeah, man, I I kind of think the Simmons trade is the move for them. For OKC? Yeah. So what is why would Philly think, do that? I don't yeah, because the problem is that I don't think they have the right vets to send back to Philly. I don't know if they can make it a three teamer somehow or um, you know, maybe it would have been better when they did have one of those vets that they were trying to dump off that ultimately could have been useful, but I mean, you know, if they held off and they were patient and Kemba Walker looked great in the first two weeks of the season. That was interesting how quickly then you're, then they you're moved talking. off of him. Yeah, that was interesting how quickly they moved off of him. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I just um, – I think that would be really good two guys to have on the wing defensively and Shane Simmons. Shake and handle the ball. You know, we're all – everyone in their mother has heard about Putting Simmons in the Draymond role—that's one of those places where I think he could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just, I'm just floating that out there. Sam, call me, call me, Sam Presti. We'll talk. The Thunder could build around Simmons, which is something Sixers just have never done. You know, they've yeah. always prioritized other can guys. We, on their can we can we talk about that uh, Embiid quote real quick, where he said, "I think we've sure. always started to fit the team around him." Yes. Okay. I, I know you're maybe not the biggest Simmons or Embiid fan as the, uh, you know, and I don't blame you that the stuff, the Celtics and the Sixers have a storied rivalry. No, et I, I look at, I look at it as objectively as, as I, I understand. As I understand. I understand. But let me just put it this way. I think I'm higher on Embiid than you. I love Embiid. I really do love Embiid. I think he's MVP caliber player. I think he's like uh-huh. a top five talent in the league. The only thing holding him back, I think is the fact that he is so big and it's hard to keep that body in shape, et cetera. But for him to suggest like the real problem with the Sixers, the team has built been built around neither of them. It's been trying to find some kind of midpoint. And I just thought it was a little ridiculous for him to come out and say, now, obviously he's frustrated. I understand why, but for him to say that the team's been built around Simmons, that's objectively untrue just because of his presence on the team. Um, I I, no, I I can see where Joel and what Joel Embiid was saying there. Um, it might think lean the, Simmons well, in, the, in their compromise, but it's not built around him. Well, look, the criticism is that um, no, that, I mean there are certain players that you have to get because of what Ben Simmons cannot right. do. That maybe you would be able to get a different type of player. But I think the criticism and the frustration there is, has, has always been, and what he was actually saying is like, dude, you, you haven't gotten better in, in yes. anything that you're yes. supposed to be doing. Um, and so for him to, you know, I, Ben Simmons hasn't said this publicly, but it's just been leaked stuff about um, his desire to be on his own team. And if I was Joel and I heard that, I'd be like, we have had a lot of success together on the floor. So why would you want your own situation? I think that that is a little selfish, particularly because if you just improved in area A, area B, we wouldn't be in this situation. It's not. Yeah, that's true. And I'm not trying to. I definitely don't want to because 
that's a big part of the story is that if Simmons had improved as a free throw shooter or just took a baseline jump shot, anything, it would make a gigantic difference. I do think the narrative has gotten a little out of hand in terms of like people are trying to compare this to Harden or people are like, what does it mean that a guy with four years on his contract can ask out, et cetera, et cetera. Philly wants him gone. And I, like somehow that is, you know, whether it's just really good media spin or whatever it is, where it's like, they're like the players are trying to convince him to come back. Doc wants him back. The Sixers don't want him on the team long-term. I don't believe that. I'm not reporting that, but I just, I, I refuse to believe that. I think that, the Sixers and Simmons equally want him on a different team this season. I don't believe that the Sixers want him back. I think they made that pretty clear when they were shopping him all summer, when they shopped him for Harden, when the, the team made the well, comments to, to, they did to, after the to, loss. To be fair, to be fair, shopping him for Harden, that's just something course, that happens in the NBA because Harden course. is a top five perennial MVP yes, candidate. Yes. And you are a better saying, team I'm not with saying, Harden than I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying Philly did anything wrong with that, or that I just think that it's being painted a lot as like Simmons is another disgruntled superstar asking out in the vein that AD or Harden did. I think this is a very unique situation where he knows the team didn't want him on the team anymore this summer, so he's like, "Why would I come back? Like we both know you want me gone." But it's being turned into I think entirely Simmons is asking out when I think the team wants him gone too. I think it's a it's a bigger headache, even though he's did not getting paid eight million dollars. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a bigger headache for the Sixers right now than it yes, is that, for that Ben pro- Simmons. That's true, but I mean, you know, I'm not. They, I think, deserve also some scrutiny for their inability to handle the situation because it's that's part of the oh it's yeah part of the it's game. Handled the poorly by everyone, no exactly. doubt about it. Yeah. Exactly, and no I, ju- I just think it's being turned into a lot. Like I see people being like. What does it mean for the future of the NBA that someone with four years left on his contract asked out? And it's like, no one asked that question when, like, I don't know, the Raptors traded DeMar DeRozan when he didn't want out. Like, I'm just saying that it's like, I think people are kind of gliding over the fact that the Sixers this summer were also trying very hard to get rid of him. I hear what you're saying. I also think that it would be problematic if NBA players, uh, would sign max extensions and then with four years left be like, you know what? I'm not just, I'm not going to show up for training camp this year. So trade me. I, I, I think agree. That that a- I just, I, I don't disagree. I just don't think this is setting that precedent at all because of how aggressively Philly was trying to shop it. It's, it's only the point I'm trying to make. I just, I don't think that this is going to be some kind of uh sign of things to come. We will see. We will see. Um, we've talked so much about Simmons, and we've kind yeah. of taken a breather um, from that topic, I think, in recent weeks. And I'm sure that it'll pick up again in the weeks ahead. We will see. There's always new developments in this story. <laughs> so, uh, But I think that that's where we will end today's episode, Rohan. Um, thanks again so much to our listeners. Thanks again for sending all those emails in. Openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Uh, before we go, Rohan, do you have anything you want to say about uh, 
you know, any apologies you have for uh, your, your slandering of Bill Belichick's completely logic, common sense, practical coaching style or a- anything along those lines? Before I just we sign think off? I'm just really, really amused at that. He's coaching scared like the rest of us. Maybe he'll write another letter to Trump about it. Uh, you know, so good for Belichick. Good for his son. I'm sure his son worked really hard. Uh, to get that defensive coordinator job or whatever it is. I'm sure he was more qualified than anybody else, all the other coaches who could have gotten that job. So, you know, at least he got to lose together as father and son. Um, I do want to shout out all the people who've been emailing us about our pop culture takes. I'm glad we aren't um, completely derailing the pod with that talk. I'm very, very excited to get the conclusion of Squid Game and talk about that with you next week. I know the Mm -hmm. season's the season's approaching so quickly, but once I do finish Squid Game, we'll absolutely have to discuss uh, some of the games they've played on the show. Um, another another show I just recently started watching, the third season came out, but I had never seen any of it, is Sex Education on Netflix. Another recommendation. Very good. I heard that was good. I have not checked it out. Um, because it's October and we're giving recommendations all of a sudden before we sign off. Midnight Mass on Netflix. Ooh. I binged it last week. It's okay. I'm not going to say it's like the greatest thing I've ever seen. And I watched it right after Squid Game, which was a mistake. (laughs) Um, But good. I would would say if you like horror, um, check it out. It's not bad. I I started Midnight Mass because I really like Mike Flanagan, uh, who's done some other Netflix shows, Haunting of Hill House, which was really good. Mm -hmm. Um, And while it's October, I just feel like the, the audience should know that this is Mike's month. He's one of those people. And I Man. love that. I love that about you. I'm excited to get into some. Have you seen Malignant? Doug, of course. Come Bro, on. Malignant. Day it came out. Malignant was lit, dude. That was a movie. They don't make them like Malignant anymore. Malignant was awesome. I'm about to go watch Friday the 13th Part 10, <laughs> Jason, Outer Space, Let's Go, a classic, uh, hit it up on HBO Max. Yeah, this is my time where I just, I, I, I am a horror movie fanatic, so good times um, all around. I need you to make some recommendations because I never, I never uh, unsubscribed to my Shutter account, so I got to get my money's worth there. We will have we, – we will maybe we'll kick off next week's episode with something horror movie related. That would there be fun. Um, until then, everybody, please stay safe. Everybody, please continue to enjoy the offseason. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.
Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.